2004 I was uh, traveling and was sent to, I went over to uh, Romania, Bulgaria, a lot of Eastern European countries. Um, started off at Germany and uh, yeah, I ended up going from there. So, Czech Republic, Poland, Slovakia, um, Hungary, Croatia, Bosnia, Romania, um, Bulgaria, Greece, Italy, and then uh, over to Amsterdam for a brief little trip, and then back over to uh, Germany, and then back over to the, to the States. And uh, during that time, I ended up um, falling head over heels and love, you know, you can call for all intents and purposes, with a woman by the name of Iwana Dobra. And Iwana was a um, student over at uh, this place called Babes Bologna University. And uh, I ended up um, just really kind of like hitting it off with her. We ended up meeting at uh, Club Diesel one night, and wasn't uh, long before my birthday and everything that, uh, yeah, we just ended up, you know, hanging out uh, there for the rest of the night, and then she ended up asking me out. Uh, it was for the night after that, and uh, we ended up going out to this uh, one club. Um, it was like a, uh, it was really kind of an eclectic place and everything. It, uh, Club Mozart or something like that, and uh, what they had, it was just quaint, it was very, um, very classy, very sophisticated. It had a little uh, soft piano in the back, and it was extremely, you know, just, it was basically a tea and crumpets type of place and everything. It was much more sophisticated than I'm used to, and definitely something I, I am wanting to be in the world of more. But um, I ended up um, really kind of like, I ended up, I was supposed to be there about a week and a half, and uh, I had actually, part of it uh, was for work, and I was interviewing with this guy, Fa Farid Asubani, or something like that, some 13-year-old kid that was a phenomenal fucking hacker, and he ended up um, hacking MIT and the Navy and the Army and you name it, I ended up seeing some shit that he hacked, and I just could not believe it. And, um... First, I really questioned it, and then all of a sudden, he uh, ended up having uh, his uh, brother pick him up, pick us up in the Ferrari, as we ended up uh, driving from one restaurant to another that he ended up owning and everything. He owned the Internet Cafe that we ended up uh, kicking back at, and in general sense, it's just this type of thing that it was surreal. I mean, I was vetting the kid for the FBI. The FBI was looking at putting a presence in. Eastern Europe, inclusion of Poco was one of these places that they were interested in putting it in Romania, and that's where I met Iwana. Now, it was really, you know, for me, one of those bang-up relationships that happened too fast and everything, and uh, I really kind of had been rebounding a little bit after Lisa. Um, me and Lisa, we went through a, a breakup and everything, and felt like I had my heart ripped out and slammed on the floor and smashed into a million pieces and everything, because I really did truly love that woman and everything. But, um, yeah, it just uh, didn't, uh, things just didn't, didn't work. So, in any case, um, it was a little bit of a reprieve, you know, about two years later when... 
I'm over in Romania, and, you know, here I'm feeling kind of down on myself and everything, and so I go there, and all of a sudden, you know, just, it was really kind of incredible and everything, an awesome experience. So, anyways, a uh, week and a half is, it goes by, and I decide I'm going to spend some more time there, and uh, it just keeps going, and going, and going, and going. And uh, about a month later, you know, I end up, uh, I get the push from my bosses at home and everything to get moving, and I'm just like, okay, whatever. And uh, I did, you know, and at this point I'm just like, I'm telling her, it's just, you know, I don't know what's going on as far as my work's concerned, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it a fact to actually spend more time out here and everything. So, we'll, we'll see what we can do and everything. And, yeah, I ended up doing this. Um, just having conversations with her over the course of the next uh, month and a half as I ended up finalizing things. I ended up going to Bulgaria after that and had to meet with somebody in Sof Sofia and Vilica Turna. Um, I ended up going down to Thessalonica and in Greece and then uh, over to Athens and and from there took a ferry over to Barry, Italy. And the whole time I was talking to talking to Iwana. And it's just, um, I, I know that she was looking at me as a potential way out, but as I, as I explained to her, it's just like, there's something, you know, that America offers and everything, but there's something that it doesn't offer. And that's, you know, the, it doesn't offer for those that live there. And that's hope. You know, and what you provide and what your country provides is just that. You know, is the hope for, you know, kind of like a, a beautiful future and everything. And she goes, wow, you know, and, you know, for her it was just the opposite. You know, she felt the same way about the uh, United States and everything. I said, okay, well, I mean, I, I certainly understood perspective and everything and was coming to understand it a little bit better by that point anyways. But um, anyways, uh, we ended up keeping in contact throughout the next uh, month and a half. Um, and at that point, I was trying to arrange things with my uh, my employer to basically say, look, you know, I I enjoy um, working for my country and representing my country, but I would actually rather let represent my country abroad than I would here in the States and everything. And um, they really, they wouldn't have it. And shortly after that, um, I ended up, uh, you know, losing contact with her, and I was just like, what the fuck's going on? And uh, I'm trying my damnedest to get a hold of her and everything, and then all of a sudden I find out uh, by her frantic sister, her, her crying sister, about um, maybe three days later and everything, that uh, her sister's still crying, mind you, and uh, that uh, Iwana had passed away in a uh, car accident. Now, I was devastated, because I had actually literally been thinking about asking the girl to marry me that quickly. Never been like that with a woman before in my life and everything. And uh, it was the type of thing that I was just like, I was torn the fuck up. Now, about the same time, I ended up getting my, um, my Toyota 4x4 ripped off from literally right in front of my house. And um, about a week after this, my cousin ended up committing suicide. He uh, he ended up um, shooting himself in the mouth with a shotgun. Now, all of this was, it, it was like a knockout punch. Um, I just, I felt numb. 
meal afterwards. I felt like a, um, I mean, it wasn't just, you know, when it came down to the things that happened with Lisa and everything were bad enough. You know, here this is 2004, and, you know, I've got a new love that I absolutely care for. And in addition to that, I've also got a, uh, I got to my own cousin, you know, ends up dying, and I also, um, get my own fucking truck. A truck that I've had for literally 15 years. You know, I love that truck and everything. Stolen right from out in front of my house. Well, this continues. And, um, I'm just, I'm kind of torn up. I'm, I'm numb. You know, for all intents and purposes, I felt like I have just been in an epic war. And I've just been left bloodied. Um, a bloody carcass for somebody to pick up. I'm just, I'm not... I don't think I'm of rational mind at this point, and um, at this point I'm kind of coasting through life. Now, I, you know, come to find out what happened with Iwana was she was on her way um, to a little retreat uh, with three of her uh, high school friends, and uh, they were going back to, um, oh, what was it? They have an equivalent for Thanksgiving over there. And they take off for the holidays and everything, and all three of them were going to Clusion, or were going to school at Clusion Boca, but they're um, going to, uh, they were going home. They had carpooled and everything, four of them had decided to take one car back. And he got a blowout, one of the guys got a blowout on the way back, and uh, Cole, a car ended up rolling over. Um, from this point, you know, on, it was just like, I, I didn't know that she had a sister. You know, and, um, I, you know, I at this point was just like, this is really fucked up. So, anyways, this ends up going on. And, I go on with my life, and I can't say I'm really feeling it. I mean, I start dating. You know, I had been dating anyways. But I start dating, and at this point I'm just dating, just thinking, oh, this, it's it. I mean... That's over for me, you know, when it comes down to relationships and everything. I have no desire for anything deep at this point. I, I look at myself as somebody that uh, is not relationship-worthy. And um, I just, at this point, I, I decide to just basically start playing, to start, you know, more or less just saying, you know, it's just, I'm not interested. You know, I'm just interested in getting laid, go out having fun, and... You know, I'm just doing what I do. About this time, that's when I met Jackie and Rachel and everything. So, having an attitude like that definitely uh, turned things around. But, it was still one of those things that, in the back of my mind, I just was having a hard time dealing with things. So, about two and a half, three years goes by. And, uh, I end up getting this call. And I could tell it's, uh, I mean, I see the phone, the message on my phone, or the uh, number on my phone, and it's uh, not from the States, it's from Italy. I do a country code lookup right as it uh, is coming through, and I'm just like, huh, I don't know anybody in Italy, you know, so get this call, and it's from, you know, Milan. And it's probably about, yeah, early 2008, so it's been about three and a half, four years. And, uh, I'm just like, okay, you know, and pick up the phone, and I hear this voice. Sounds familiar. I hear this, Brian? Yeah? Do you know who this is? And I'm just like, no. It's Iwana. I'm just like, 
shut the fuck up, whatever. And uh, she insisted. And uh, through the course of the conversation, I learned that um, from the story's perspective and everything, that um, her, she claimed um, that uh, her boyfriend at the time ended up breaking into her phone and had uh, deleted all the phone numbers off of it and everything. And that was the only way she had to call me and everything. And uh, I said, well, I tried calling you. And she goes, well, you know, I ended up trashing my phone after that and ended up getting a new phone number because, you know, he also had gotten into my account and everything. And she goes, you know, and because of what was going on, you know, her it was her ex-boyfriend, not her boyfriend, but her ex-boyfriend. And I said, you know, well, what about the girl? Was like, you know, and she explained it was some girl that uh, had put her up to it and everything. I'm just like... I'm not buying it. You know, I'm just flat out not buying it. There's something amiss with all this and everything. I'm just not buying it. Why would somebody, you know, that knows how much I care and, and you know, claims to be reciprocating it and everything. You know, we had some amazing nights, you know, in, in a month's time and everything. That relationship went from zero to a hundred percent just like that. Some of the best sex I've ever had. Some of the um, most amazing sensual moments I've ever had. Um, all within a very, very short period of time, and it was just like this impish little bookworm and everything that was just so adorable. Um, I just, you know, couldn't help it. And it was just unlike anything I'd ever been, you know, met here in the States and everything. You know, so I, I have no doubt that that certainly helped things as well. So, in any case, as I'm, as I'm, you know, talking, you know, to her, um, I'm just like, on. I, that whole numb feeling, you know, I had been numb before, but I had also, it was just like, I had been resistantly numb, you know, it was just like, I'm having a hard time believing it, you know, there's something, something, it's just like, I mean, it's cool, the story I'm being fed, but there's just something, I don't know, it's like I didn't trust the situation, I didn't trust the story that was told to me flat out. It's just like, it didn't jive. Didn't make sense. You know, um, there's too many reasons, emotionally. You know, if somebody was acting um, with emotional consistency and everything, that somebody wouldn't do that. Now, I've noticed emotional inconsistencies in other aspects of my life since then and everything, and um, it's really been one of those things that it's taken a lot to actually learn this. You know, but at that time, that was really the first major, what I consider a major emotional inconsistency in behavior that I've ever had that somebody's presented to, you know, to me in my life. So, we ended up talking at this point, and, um, and and about this point, I'm actually um, in the planning phases for a trip to Europe with my Thunderbird MBA program. And uh, as I'm sitting there, you know, just making the plans and everything for it, you know, she goes, well, why don't you come down to Milan? You can, uh, you know, hang out with me for a couple days and everything. I'm just like, okay. You know, um, <laughs> just, there's something amiss. But I agreed. I mean, I wanted to see the girl. I had been starting to date, you know, Kenna at this point. Um, Kenna was an awesome, uh, you know, awesome Indian chick and everything. I'd been starting to date her. But um, at this point, it was just like, it was. I was at a point where 
I wasn't really 100% committed to Kenan, nor was I committed to any woman at this point. You know, I'm dating Jackie, too, off to the side and everything, so I'm just like, you know, what the hell? I mean, if I go back there and have some amazing nights with this chick and everything, um, I, there's no way I'm going to go back there and pick it up from where it was and everything four years ago, you know, especially with what happened emotionally and everything, you know, as far as her response and her lack, total lack of consistency with follow-up and that kind of stuff. So... At this point, I'm just like, okay, you know, I'll come out there. And uh, she she can detect, you know, at that point that I was, you know, a little bit um, uncommitted about things. I said, no, 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 I'm definitely interested in coming out there. I said, I had plans to go to Riga, you know, with my friend and everything. And, um, you know, I, I, I will cut that short to come down there. She goes, no, don't do that. I said, don't be, don't be stupid. Or what was the word I used? Don't be silly. Um, you know, I will absolutely come down there and everything. You know, I definitely want to see you. It's been too long. And I said, I want to see if those emotions are at the same place that, to, that they were when we left. And she goes, I'm afraid. And she goes, and I said, oh boy. She goes, I'm afraid that they will be. And I said, we'll see. So I ended up going out there. Um, we went to, me and my buddy Ricardo, we ended up going to uh, Riga, Latvia at first, and uh, Riga ended up sucking. Um, it just wasn't as much fun as I'd heard it had, you know, I heard it hyped up to be and everything. It was a little bit more ghetto than I anticipated and everything. It just seemed like it was more of a flagrant, you know, hey, look how wealthy we are, you know, for some of the uh, the thugs and everything, and everybody else was just like... You know, kind of like living in their own twilight, twilight zone episode and everything. So it just, you know, it seemed like it was a really corrupt place and everything. And uh, from there, I ended up um, taking a beelining and taking a trip over to um, to Milan, and uh, spent three days over in Milan. This is in April of two thousand and eight. Um, and as I'm as 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 I'm kicking back there you know, with her, or as I'm waiting, you know, she tells me the restaurant that she wants me to meet her at and everything, and, uh, she walks up behind me, I'm sweating balls, I mean, for some reason I've got the serious sweating issue at this point, and I don't know why, what's going on with me and everything, and, and it's humid there, and, and here I am, just like sweating balls, and in my best shirt and everything, but I'm just like, on, you know, and I told her where I was staying, and, you know, and, uh, as, we, you know, she comes up, he sneaks up behind me, and she puts her hands around me, and as I turn around, I see this woman that I, I don't, I mean, I recognize, but it's like I don't at the same time, you know, um, there's been so substantial a physical change in this woman from the days that I met her, not just in, uh, her physical appearance and everything, but in her stature, her demeanor, her personality, Everything is remarkably different, you know, um, it's, it's almost like it's the same woman, but, you know, because we end up getting talking, and I'm just like, at first I, I actually said that too, I said, you wanna? You know, she goes, of course I am, silly, you know, and she ended up, ends up making these comments and everything, I'm just like going, you know, I've got the skeptical nature, it's just like, I'm just... I mean, I hear the words you're saying, I hear what you're saying and everything, but you just don't look like her that much. I mean, you got some of the looks and everything, but my God, you know, you're a different woman altogether. So, in any case, we're talking. 
and um, as we're we're talking and throughout the night, I look at her and I'm just like thinking, okay, you know, um, had I met this woman for the first time right now, I could see being attracted to her and everything. But because she's positioning herself as one and the same woman, and despite the fact that she has the same memories, or the, she says that she has the same memories, same experiences, you know, that I had, she re recollects things that happened and everything that I remembered that are consistent with my memories and everything. Because of all this, I'm just like going, okay, you know, it, it, it sounds like the same woman, but there's just something different. Something fundamentally different in everything. So, as we're talking, you know, and uh, as, we're, as, we're, as she stands up, me and her, we ended up taking a picture as we ended up uh, kissing, you know, for the first time, and the kiss wasn't the same either. And, um, I'm just sitting there, you know, as I'm, as I'm t conversing with her throughout the night and everything, we're discussing the last four years, you know, of our lives and everything. For me, it's just the type of thing that it's just like, there's another explanation for all this. Her explanation, her story, this story just isn't working for me. And, um, just, it just wasn't working. So, at this point, you know, we end up, um, she ends up, you know, talking at this point, and, and I'm really, I'm not interested, you know, I mean, I, like I said, I've got Jackie at home, I've got Rachel, I'm still trying to, you know, feel, you know, f trying to feel, I'm interested in having her in my life and everything, and, uh, you want it would be somebody marvelous to actually have along, the original version of Marvelous, but not, not the new one, and I've got Ken at home, too, you know, so for me, it's, it's a wonderful thing to catch up on, you know, but there's just nothing there that just feels like this this woman is is saying the words, she's presenting the presence and everything, but it, it's almost like the lights are on but nobody's home. It's not. It's a good act. That's the way I looked at it, but it's just ju just to that. Now, when I left, you know, I ended up talking with the, a couple friends and everything from Thunderbird and, you know, told my, you know, told my family and a couple friends and everything about what happened and everything. <clears throat> and one of the first things that goes to my mind, you know, is this whole concept of uh, the Truman Show, where Truman Show, somebody's life is the center stage and everything, and, you know, that center stage, um, you know, we, from my perspective and everything, I'll see new actors take the place of, of old actors that look similar and everything, and uh, sometimes I wonder, you know, I mean, at this point in particular, that was a question, you know, am I on some stage and, you know, is this just part of the act and everything? You know, and uh, am I just seeing the replacement and everything? But I fought it off. You know, I'm just realizing, and it's just like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm not, not a fan, you know, of being on that stage and the whole egocentric model and everything. Um, at least that from an egocentricity from that perspective. I don't, I'm not a big, huge fan of attention. You know, I don't mind attention, don't get me wrong, but from, you know, a population of a million or something like that, or we'll put it this way from adoring fans around the world and that kind of stuff. Not really. You know, it just, to me, it's, I don't know. Like I told my mom tonight, for me, I like the idea of being magnificently wealthy. 
But I also like the idea of being able to go and stay the night in a hostel if I feel like it when I go to one place. And the next night or a couple nights, I fly in on my 737 to another destination and end up um, staying in a five-star hotel. You know, so I'm just like, I like... I like the stimulation of, of, of choice in the various things that choice brings to you. And uh, the problem is, if everybody knows who I am, I wouldn't be able to stay in that hostel. You know, a five-star place would be, would be difficult enough as it is and everything. You know, and uh, to be able to actually go and, you know, to go places and not be, not have to actually have a big, huge crowd following me or something like that. I don't know. So, in any case, um, I've ruled out at this point, you know, the whole Iwana is, you know, at this point I'm utterly convinced that Iwana is not one and the same woman that she was when I first met her and everything. But I've eliminated the whole concept, you know, that I'm on a stage. I've had only two incidences prior to this point that uh, could suggest that, that that's possible. But there's no overarching... Um, uh, there's no overarching what's the word for it systematic it would be to have to be a an elaborate production beyond anything I can potentially comprehend because I would have seen through the cracks I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm saying that the production would, would be beyond my comprehension, you know, at the current point, you know, and also previous points, too. You know, it couldn't be a Truman thing because I've seen the loop and everything. So, anyways, so at this point I'm convinced. it's not. I'm not on stage. I'm not on somebody's show. Um, you know, but I'm also convinced it's not the original Iwana. So what are the other explanations and everything? And for this, I ended up reaching back into my training. I'm talking about my science fiction and my fantasy training, by the way. And, um, I come to realize there is an explanation. That Iwana did die. Now, I end up, um, at this point, basically saying, okay, Let's say she died. Now, who is this person and everything? So I start doing a search. And um, at this point, I end up doing yet another search, you know, for information on about the accident and everything. Now, there's absolutely no mention of the accident. Now, I had found a newspaper article at the time um, that uh, it ended up happening, but that article's no longer, I can't even find it at all. And uh, I can't find any evidence whatsoever that there was ever an accident and everything. So I'm just like, okay, now this sucks, you know, and this is all after, uh, literally, you know, I'd gone to meet Iwana, um, I went to Geneva, uh, and uh, that's where I met with my Thunderbird group and everything, and I'm trying to figure out, okay, what is going on here? You know, I've seen, you know, A, I believe that the accident happened, B, I believe that this is not the same Iwana and everything. Is she a clone? Well, I'm working for the NSA, right? You know, is it possible that some other agency and everything has developed a clone, has taken this information, you know, and and has actually used this in order to, you know, take an information and background about her history and that kind of stuff, and used it for some reason? 
to approach me and to, for what reason? That's the thing that kind of baffles me. You know, what reason? Why would they do this? Not only that, but I would think it would cost a lot of fucking money to develop a clone. You know, um, and, you know, from a genetic perspective, it's just like, you know, I knew about Dolly and everything. You know, could they do that with humans? Not only that, but could they make the human, you know, actually look and talk real and everything? So, anyways, I ended up coming up with, that's one possible explanation. Now, it defies um, what's available in science from a scientific perspective and everything that, uh, that I'm aware of that's actually capable here in the United States and everything. But I do know China's been doing a great deal on uh, genetic, um, genetic alteration, um, manipulation of the DNA and that kind of stuff and everything. And uh, I also know that um, the, some of those Eastern Asian countries, particularly Vietnam, have done a great deal when it comes down to mind control and uh, manipulation of the mind as well. So, is it possible that they could have genetically engineered, taken a, gotten a G DNA sample, you know, of, of Iwana, um, created a copy <laughs> as close as they possibly could have, and, and accelerated the age and everything, and introduced her to me? <laughs> the answer is yes. That's one possible answer that I ended up coming up with. But it's not the answer that I ultimately landed on. And the answer I ultimately landed on was was based on another little piece of evidence that I found a little bit later. And that was that there's another Iwana, same name, but still living in Cluj-Napoca. Now, it's my belief that in that Iwana actually looks um, like a more humble, um, a more, I don't know, it, it's almost like the two had a split in personality at one point, where one went the more, um, sophisticated, classy direction, and the other one went the more humble, quieter, um, more demure path. And what I saw was, was, you know, led me to believe that it was, um, two different women. Now, I ended up contacting the other one, and, uh, she remembered me. So, we've got two different women, both that have the same memory and everything. Now, the biggest thing that I wanted to get by, that I had to get by with all this and everything, was believing that it was all part of conspiracy. And, um... I, that would be the immediate thing I would, I, I should have thought, especially working for the NSA, right? But I didn't. I immediately started thinking, reaching back to my science fiction, my fantasy type stuff, and saying, this, it's evidence, you know, of, of something. What is it evidence of, though? You know, um, it's evidence, I mean, of, of, you know, what happens with the mind? You know, when the mind end, ends up splitting, you know, what does the outside, what does an outside person see? You know, and it also brought the question to me. When I see somebody, who owns the image I see? Do they own it? From an, uh, what can I say this from an intellectual property perspective and everything? 
do, do does the image that I form of somebody, the image I see, the image I, I imagine, is that image something they own, or is it something I own, or is it something in between? Now here's, here's actually what I came to realize with that whole Iwana stuff and everything. It's two different versions of Iwana. Now, something happened that actually caused the split. A split in their pers persons, their individuality and everything. Now it's kind of funny because I watched a show, Sabrina, today, where Sabrina's stuck She's rattled with indecision and everything. She's having a hard time because she's got her two aunts that she's trying to appeal to, and she's got uh, her um, one boy, her boyfriend that she's trying to appeal to, and another guy that wants to be a boyfriend that she's trying to appeal to. And in a literal sense, it fractures her her mind. And as a result, there's four different versions of her. Each making the decision separately to satisfy one person in particular and everything. So one satisfies one aunt, one satisfies another aunt, um, one satisfies the, uh, the the boyfriend, the other one satisfies the, uh, the man that's courting her. And uh, each one is completely unaware of the other one. Completely unaware. Until finally, the ants and also the boyfriend and the other guy, they end up catching on to some of the weirdness that's going on as a result of all this and everything. And um, one of them actually sees, you know, multiple versions of her wearing different clothes and everything. And then finally, boom, she ends up realizing that her indecision and everything was causing a problem. And boom, they all collapse and create the one again. Now, I know this happened to me, you know, when I when it came down to the working for the NSA and everything, and that's why I have memories of two different timelines and everything, you know, throughout that period of time. I have one set of memories and everything where I lived through the same time period. I did relatively the same things and everything, and um, I was just a just a consultant and everything. But I always wondered where my time went. You know, why is it I felt like I didn't have enough time and everything, and where my time went and everything? And uh, a lot of cases, I mean, because it felt like I just wasn't achieving a whole lot and everything. And then there was the other version of me, you know, the guy that was working for the NSA, that were, you know, trying to actually save the world to some degree, trying to figure out the world. And finally, boom, there comes a point, 2011, where those two minds that I had separately formed collapsed, came back together. The experiences of both, the um, individuality that had actually gone in two separate directions, both of them collapsed, like a wave function, if you want to think about it like that. Now, I suspect this happens all the time, and Iwana is my proof of that. I saw two different versions of Iwana. Now, is it possible that one goes off and lives, you know, and continues living life and everything without the other one? And this is, you know, this is de facto how expansionism happens and, you know, how lives, um, how it appears like we have 
a, an increasing population that just keeps growing and everything, and so many new last names that keep on appearing. Where the fuck do all these people come from? Well, that's where it comes from, you know? That's one of the methods. I mean, it's not the only method. You know, but things are popping into existence all the time. It's just basically, it's a feature of the mind. That's the way I look at it. So, in any case, I have a, I have a sneaking suspicion that um, I saw one of two things. Number one, it was uh, probably a splitting of uh, Iwana's mind. Or the second one is I saw a collapse of a planet-wide wave function in two different versions from two different realities of Iwana were brought together on my planet. <laughs> she liked this planet because this planet appreciated her. Still does. I love it that the girl's around. But I would also love, you know, to, to include the merged version of it. Of her. Passionate, enthralling, fun, playful, sexy as fuck, and a great lover. But here's the thing. I don't know. I've since uh, canceled that thought. It was just a trip, going through it. And there's a part of me that basically does wonder, is that Iwana? The one I knew before? Is she now? Is, now, is she now two minds? And will, the, will there come a point like what happened with me? Where those two minds combine and, and collide into one? Do I have any other minds out there? I don't want them to collide. I want them to stay away. I like the idea of expanding this universe and the possibilities. I like the idea of continuing this existence and everything. And um, I like the idea of creating more possibilities. Not with that. But I really do like the idea that I've imagined. You know, of having the Rachel and Jackie and inspiring other versions of myself through the choices I make in the world that I build based on the fantasies that I have. It's my belief that you go through life and start realizing that the answer to what the purpose of life is is always staring you right smack in the face. It's the purpose that you give it. You present yourself with options throughout it. And somewhere in there you convince yourself that you're a part of a collective and you're just a small piece of it. You're a cog. That's what I did. But eventually you get to the point that you start realizing, no. I'm a critical component. This universe, as I see it, as I experience it, as I hear it, as I feel it, as I touch it and everything, only I am going to witness it like this. Only I hold the, the creator's pencil 
to be able to change, to be able to alter, to be able to influence, to be able to create things that I want and everything. And first I'm going to be delicate with things. I'm just introducing the things that I want and everything, that I really want badly. Companionship certainly one of them. That's more companionship than my mom and dad have to offer, by the way. You know, but the companionship of a of a female two or two, you know, laying in the same bed with me as we sleep in a wonderful little, you know, abode, you know, is probably end up doing the same shit that I'm doing right now on a regular basis and everything. It doesn't matter. That's what I've looked at. If they're clones, if they're androids, if they're robots, or what their physical structure internally is derived from. What matters to me is the experiences and the enjoyment, the simple enjoyment that I get out of life and everything. I had a time where I had somebody ask me the question, you know, as he looked at uh, Kenna and said, what do, how, why do you deserve somebody like that? And the answer is, because you do. Because everybody does. I know that in my heart. And I know that what happened with Iwana was just my mind's way of saying, stop punishing yourself. Because not only can we destroy, but we can also create. And there are little limitations to what we can create. Only limits we give ourselves. And hence, only the limit I give myself. So, anyways, back off to Star Trek. Okay, it's me again. So, um... Back in, uh, what, throughout my career and everything, I've had a lot of what I consider to be great bosses. But, uh, I'd been flown to, um, to China, to Beijing, and, uh, was being considered for a position, uh, as a program manager. And, um, basically I'd be leading in charge of, uh, nearly 300 people between four different time zones. So, I would've, uh, been working on a system that more or less, you know, spanned well, the four primary locations were Thailand, Beijing, um, Washington, D.C., and uh, Seattle. And uh, for me, um, ha having spent years in IT and everything, I was really intimidated by the position to begin with. And then when I found out that uh, that the uh, they would not put me through training, you know, to understand, to learn Chinese, and... Um, you know, and uh, it was actually doing a um, working directly with the hospitals and everything over in the area. I at that point just wasn't really interested in the job and everything. You know, I was just had no desire to get into it and everything. If if they didn't allow me the opportunity to be able to get some training and everything, because I wanted to be able to part of me, you know, part of what I do from an IT perspective and everything is I build rapport, you know, with the people that I work with, or at least I try to, you know. Um, I, you know, have a tendency to go out and, you know, hang out with the people that I that I'm working with and everything. Um, a lot of times I'll go party and that kind of stuff. Um, and in a, in a general sense and everything, I I try to maintain an approachability and everything. Now, I'd only worked, you know, at the highest level and everything by this point. Um, 
managing 15 people at most and indirectly managing probably upwards of 300 to 500 people and everything, but it wasn't direct or anything like that. It was almost exclusively that I would be giving consultant advice and everything, and that would trickle out and actually affect other parts of the organization that I really wasn't aware of and everything. So like I said, indirectly. And uh, indirectly, that actually um, I learned later, um, got up to 60,000 people over at Wells Fargo and everything. So, you know, the whole idea and concept that, uh, you know, as a, a program manager was really kind of intimidating everything. And for me, you know, um, kind of like not knowing, you know, that uh, whose lives I was affecting with the decisions I was making and everything really kind of was a little bit intimidating. But the job in itself, you know, is in Beijing. Beijing's, um, the pollution there is horrible. Um, I really didn't have any people, anybody I knew, which really wasn't a problem. Um, but really what, what was the problem was you know, the lack of support from a corporate perspective and everything to actually do what I felt was necessary in order to um, take a job like that. And I'm surprised, you know, because Microsoft uh, had actually um, considered me once before. Uh, this is over in, um, it was basically as Visual Basic, uh, as a Visual Basic help support system. Now, I'd been working as a programmer for years by this point, or for a couple years by this point, and they offered me a position as help support, which made absolutely no sense to me. And not only that, but, you know, I was making I was making nearly 70000 a year, and they, they turned around, they offered $30 or 30000 a year, you know, and these really do-nothing um, <laughs> stock stock that I just really wasn't interested in because their stock was stock wasn't going anywhere it hadn't for years and everything so I just sat there and I looked at it and I'm just like going hmm you know I, I, not only was I not interested in the job and everything but they put me through this grill session that it's just like you know I don't know who said no to be honest I mean I wasn't interested in the job and they certainly uh, didn't, they seem like they're more interested in trying to actually find holes in the way I think rather than um, actually do an interview process and everything. So in any case, that, that didn't work out back in 96. And then again in 2010 when Microsoft brought me out to, uh, to Beijing to go talk with the guys out there, um, it just, there was one guy in particular, a quality assurance guy, it just, you know, he was interested in berating me about quality, you know, the whole time. You don't know enough about quality. It's just like, well, whatever, dude. I mean, I consider that to be your job. I understand quality, but I understand quality from you know, various different perspe perspectives, maybe not exactly yours, and that's okay. He didn't seem to think so. So, in any case, um, this, this ended up, uh, has had me thinking, because I received my MBA in 2011, and um, one of the things that I've realized was the tools. Um, for me, um, even right now, I mean, I'm actually playing with, uh, you know, Star Trek Online, and I've got this uh, capability. I've got 300 different duty officers and everything, and a total uh, of, I'd go so far to say maybe 600 different assignments that can be handed out and everything. Very, very repetitious assignments and that kind of stuff, and, you know, really there's almost never anything new that's injected into the uh, the assignment chain and that kind of stuff. Well, I'm, I'm of the belief that, uh, you know, that I'm actually Actually, this is to me a quantum simulation. It's not necessarily the same to everybody, but to me, it's a quantum simulation. With this, um, I've got the capability to be able to influence the uh, development of this and actually the expansion of this from a, a programmatic standpoint and everything to um, directly cause what's more or less known as a butterfly effect to 
actually influence the development and to actually create new assignments and everything through um, the way that I leverage the duty officer system and also the uh, the assignments uh, themselves and everything. So what I'm in the process of doing right now is uh, I've been ramping up my um, my roster list and everything for the last uh, month and I'm at at um, almost at capacity I've got 288 out of 300 um, and what I'm trying to do is just basically evenly distribute things to a typical uh, corporate hierarchy so you've got to achieve uh, the over an area and that that uh, is and I'm actually referring to this also as a typical military hierarchy too. You know, the the corporate hierarchy and the military hierarchy typically aren't that much different. Um, you've got you've got a chief and uh, or more or less you know the equivalent of a manager and or director that oversees a specific group, and um, then underneath that person you have several different people. Now, in uh, Star Trek Online, you've got uh, four different uh, rankings. Um, and typically the value of the officer goes up according to the ranking and everything. So you've got the white ranking, which is known as common. These are kind of like the uh, the privates. You've got the uh, um, the green ranking, which are more or less the um, equivalent of specialists if you want to map it over to the military. You've got the uh, the blue rankings, which are you know they're they're actually getting a little bit uh, more costly and everything. They're they're the equivalent of like a sergeant, and then. Um, You've got the purple rankings, which are the equivalent of like a master sergeant. So the purple, um, and typically the experience level, um, is is going to be. I mean, this is what I'm analogizing. The experience level of that individual, um, it should be relative, relatively more than the experience level for somebody that's actually underneath them. So that just saying that out loud just made me realize that I'm going to actually start having to hand out some of the, some more um, assignments to some of the blue officers to give them more experience uh, rather than uh, focus strictly on the uh, the um, the other ones. I don't know. I'm still thinking about that. But uh, right now, I'm I'm just basically assuming that each one comes in, you know, and they're not a clean palette. They're not a clean slate. Each one already comes with the experience that I expect them to, and everything. So I'm not actually ramping up the experience. So these are already experienced um, in so much as this is what the expectation is. They've got a history. They've got a background, and there's a reason that they have the value that they do, and everything. It's not my job to elevate their value. It's my job to actually leverage them based on their current value and everything. So, anyways, I'm, I'm not going to distribute more assignments to the blue just based on that comment alone and everything. The assumption is I'm actually getting what I'm paying for, which is somebody that's actually experienced, you know, that has that level of experience, you know, associated with what it, what it is that, the, that they're presenting themselves as. So, with that said, um, I'm kind of having fun with it. So I'm actually taking it and uh, one of the things I'm starting to do is uh, go through and um, I, I've been keeping a, an Excel spreadsheet of all the duty officers that I've handed out assignments, and right now um, I've got 207 that I've actually assigned over the last three days since I started keeping the spreadsheet and everything. And uh, there's th four different, uh, five technically, but uh, there's four primary results that are received from any assignment that's being handed out. So one's critical, um, which indicates that it was a very, very good success or success in everything, something spectacular 
particular happened. Um, there's the success, there's the failure, um, where there's no rewards and then there's disaster. So sometimes in a disaster somebody actually gets killed and everything. And then you've got others, and uh, the others typically involve quality of items that have been being um, retrieved. So you've got green quality, blue quality. So this, this is an other status. So you will get an other status for whenever it's not a critical success, failure, or disaster. That other typically means you're getting material, um, you know, or an item or a person um, as a result. Typically it's an item or a person that's the value of the item. So, and the value similar to the uh, to the rank of the person and everything, the value of the item goes up the more, um, the higher quality it's considered. So if it's green quality, it's it's okay. If it's a uh, white quality, then it's, eh, it's not good at all. I mean, that's the common. If it's purple or orange, which orange isn't, uh, isn't even available that I've seen so far, then that's spectacular. There's spectacular results. Something amazing has absolutely happened. So, in any case, um, what I'm doing is I'm actually keeping a log, and uh, this log, I'm also, I've got two different sheets to it. One's the assignment, so I'm actually documenting everybody that I send on assignment and everything, and, uh, and, and the result of that assignment, so is it a success, a critical, etc. And then I'm doing a mapping of that on, on page two, which is actually taking the name and doing a count of the respective uh, assignments that they have. So for instance here, Adeline Clarence Valoni um, has zero criticals, one success, zero failures, zero disasters. So right now her success ratio is 100%. But then you've got uh, Adrian Ricarda Vanover, who has two criticals and uh, nothing else. So this, I mean, right now I'm in, it's the sheets in its infancy and everything. So she has a zero percent. Now Alicia, oh, actually I'll go into it. Yeah, Alicia um, Hetty Kazara, she has one failure. So she her success ratio is currently zero. So I'm going to maintain a ratio, you know, of the uh, successes and everything, the successes to the failures, and uh, that'll make it a little bit uh, interesting. That way I can actually. Um, you know, just basically, you know, like what I've done is I've got uh, one group of five people that I ended up sending to crew leave uh, to uh, Bajor. Well, the, the 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 mission was a failure, and I'm just like, huh, interesting. And I actually said they're not invited to come back there. So I ended up going searching intentionally for a planet, um, Riza to be exact and everything, and I ended up taking the five same crew members, and I sent them on a, on a mission there. I don't want to see if it repeats itself. Does, you know, I'm, I'm suspecting that there's a correlation of the failure, you know, um, to the individuals that I actually send. So hopefully it fails again. I actually want to see, I want to see some better messages and everything. So, in any case, it's uh, it's letting me, you know, treat the the crew like a uh, individuals and everything and respective individuals that uh, you know with performance ratings and rankings and that kind of stuff. You know, which uh, basically takes it back to um, you know to the whole trip to Beijing. I didn't have systems like this, and to be honest, the systems that I saw that were out there, they were monolithic, they were granular, they were hard to learn. You actually have to learn how to think like the programmer. And for me, um, as a programmer, to think like another programmer, I've done so many times and everything, I'm just not interested in, in leveraging new systems, with the exception of this one. This one's kind of fun because it's got the whole game behind it and everything. So, I don't know, that makes managing people a little bit different when it, there's a little star system and everything behind it, and kind of makes it fun. So, in any case, I just uh, thought I'd mention it and everything. I'll be back making dinner. So, 
So um, adding on to that last point, um, one of the things I just did was uh, I ended up uh, taking um, my ship. I'm looking for missions, longer missions. I'm getting tired of basically doing these 45 minute uh, two-hour missions and I'm trying to find longer missions. So what I'm doing is I'm going around the map and uh, just basically picking anything that's 20 hours plus. That's my personal rule. I don't want to have to, since you can only get 20 assignments, you know, I like the idea of just sending these guys out and instead of doing the same routine shit all the time and everything, just finding a long mission and everything and just getting the results back and everything from that long mission. So what I ended up doing just now was I ended up, um, I found one that, uh, a crew leave um, to Bajor, and uh, or not to Bajor, to uh, to Vulcan, and uh, I I at first kind of kicked myself because I thought I could take those rowdy guys and I can actually put them on uh, on uh, Vulcan, but it's just like no, wait a second, I've had a bitch of a time trying to find entertainers, you know there is no such thing as a Vulcan entertainer. So that's what I thought was, well, what if I actually end up taking, you know, I've got a whole bunch of entertainers and everything that are kind of sitting idle. Boom, take those guys and send them on a shore leave to, Vul to Planet Vulcan. You know, maybe that can actually stir up the mechs in, in a quantum way. You know, actually get Vulcans to start saying, what? What's an entertainer? You know, maybe even see, you know, something change as a, as a direct result of this. You know, I think it would be so cool to actually see the game um, based... I mean, I, I believe that the game is is responding to my influences and everything. Um, I've already seen plenty of examples of that already, as it is. You know, but uh, I'm just thinking, hey, how cool would it be to, you know, to see the influence of maybe, you know, um, potentially more in the lines of, you know, Vulcan Entertainment and that kind of stuff, and maybe more missions that actually might involve that kind of stuff. Maybe they, they start trying to actually look into... You know, I'm telling the story, and it's just like, okay, well, Vulcans, maybe they're trying to understand what, what entertainment is. Maybe they don't understand what entertainment is. Maybe they, they think they know what it is, you know, but uh, to some degree, they're not fully certain in everything. So, you know, all of a sudden, now they've got five entertainers specifically given, you know, that goes to their planet for shore leave. I mean, you know, you, you got to ask... Is this intentional? I mean, why is it a captain of a starship would send specifically five entertainers, entertainers to my planet? Are they trying to send me a message? Hopefully that's actually what goes through, through their head and everything. So in any case, we'll see. I mean, I, you know, I don't have any, um, eh, no, I can't say I don't have any high hopes. I have hopes, you know, possibilities that it could potentially influence it, and actually I will see a direct result of this, you know, something that goes on, some kind of feedback that I actually see based on, you know, the uh, the influence of, of these, uh, of this crew and everything being sent there. But what that's going to be, you know, is it going to be obvious? I don't know. You know, we'll see. So, in any case, I've got five entertainers I sent to, uh, to Vulcan. We'll see how it works. Yeah, one thing I like doing is coming up with ideas on how technology can actually work the way it does, um, particularly in, you know, fictional shows and that kind of stuff. You know, what what could be the applied science that actually makes it possible and everything? And um, in this uh, Star Trek the, um, Online, um, there's two things. I have a, a friend, Bennett, that uh, he's made the comment. It's just like he doesn't like, uh, you know, fighting where basically you automatically aim at the thing and it hits the thing that, it, that uh, 
you know, you're basically locked on the target the entire time and everything. Well, um, I explain that by basically saying they're psionically based weapons and everything, and, you know, you can uh, turn 45 degrees to the left or right and everything, and it'll actually hit the target that you're looking for no matter what, because they're psionically based and they know what your intended target is. So that's one explanation of everything. Um, and, and that, for me, it makes it a little bit more fun as I play the games and everything. You know, it's just like, you know, another one, um, it, uh, it's doing constant downloads and everything, and, you know, for me, it's a quantum-based game. That's the explanation of everything, so it's not faulty programming or anything like that. It's just basically a different game that's programmed differently that, you know, as a result, I see it uh, doing the dynamic changes, the procedural-based code to some degree, the programmed code and everything coming together based on the decisions I make and my gameplay and my game style my own thoughts and desires to, you know, that are all expressed that actually are, are creating and unfolding this world and everything. So, all along, you know, my, my mind and my interactions with this is actually causing the, um, what I consider the, um, expansion of the universe as depicted in Star Trek and everything. So, it's, um, you know, for me it's cool. Now, there's another one, um, what was the other one, too? There's another one I thought was, uh, really interesting from a, um, technological standpoint and everything. Um, I mean, the warp travel is nothing more than scaling, you know, so you're scaling in order of magnitude bigger and smaller and everything to be able to warp. So you can actually warp, and it's not necessarily exceeding the speed of light, it's basically warping your size, your physical size in a lot of cases. So it could be a little bit of both. Um, there's different ways to look at warp, you know, so you can actually warp, which is exceeding the speed of light and everything. And, you know, the other possibility to warp is, you know, by basically, you know, scaling in size and everything. Um, yeah, but anyways, just a thought. It's actually a hot one here today in Portland, Vancouver. So, um, I'm going to quit talking about things that are weird after this. I feel like I've been talking about things that are weird. And it's just like, well, if I really want my my world, my universe to be that weird. I like some weirdness, you know, in selective areas, and maybe if I'm going to look for it and everything. And, uh, in any case, um, the selective weirdness that, uh, that I wanted to mention was, um, when I ended up uh, going into the military, uh, 2003, I think is what it was, um, the, the dates are spotty because I really, I do have two timelines that ended up occurring. So there's one in 2002, 2003, and, uh, it's just, um, which one's more accurate, I don't know. You know, so that's why I just like saying, well, it's either 2002 or 2003. It's, um, there's no one accurate date and timeline that I ended up going through it and everything. So, let's just toss that aside and everything. Now, there's a woman, um, by the name of Nicole Digg. And, uh, Nicole, um, I thought was fucking gorgeous when I ended up meeting her in the military. This is over at Fort Meade, Maryland, and, um, you know, I just, um, she was actually, she had the hots for one of my friends, uh, Akers, uh, Jonathan Akers, and, uh, her and, uh, Jonathan, Jonathan was, was and is one of the coolest dudes I've, I've known in the military and everything. He ended up going into OCS, and, uh, he went the, uh, career route of the military, and, uh, I ended up flying out to, uh, San Antonio a couple years back to go hang with him for a weekend, but, uh, in any case, um, 
uh, Nicole Dake, um, I had the hots for, and uh, between her and Jocelyn, I ended up, you know, just basically kind of pursuing Jocelyn, and nothing ever happened there, uh, fortunately. Um, but uh, between the two of them, it's just uh, Nicole Dake I actually had the hots for, and there was something different about the girl. You know, I just, a uh, very distinctive personality, and if anything, a very colorful, you know, woman when it came right down to it. But I was at a point where I was looking for more playful, more wild and everything, and uh, Nicole was definitely a little bit more sedate than Jocelyn, so I ended up um, becoming friends with Nicole, but uh, nothing, I never even tried, and especially because of the uh, the stuff that was going on be potentially between her and Akers and everything. So, in any case, I kind of like uh, looked on, and I, we ended up chatting quite a bit and everything, and we kept in touch after, uh, after we ended up graduating fo uh, Fort Meade, and at that point, it was one of those <coughs> interesting things where, you know, hearing about her life from the outside, she was actually a uh, National Guard, and that uh, she had actually gone in as National Guard, and I didn't know that was an option, where you didn't have to go full army and everything, which is what I ended up doing. And, uh, but one of the weird things I noticed real quickly was the... Um, information that I saw about her um, on the internet and everything, it's like she ended up getting this weird crick in the nose, and the person I talked to on the phone and everything sounded distinctly different. Now, this is not that much different than the experiences that I had with Iwana and everything, where you know I found out that there was two different versions of Iwana. Well, you know, I found out that the, it, was, it was a similar th situation going on, you know, with Nicole too. You know, that uh, the woman I knew, the effusive, the, the wild personality and everything, um, all of a sudden now was, you know, too, too completely, um, this woman that I started, uh, you know, that I actually got to keep in touch with over the internet and everything, wasn't one and the same. You know, she was more um, reserved, more calm, more just not the same woman that I adored before, you know, and, and this new woman was just like, I just wasn't interested in, you know, at all, it's just like, wow, what's going on with this and everything, so, and, and I'm not talking about love interest, I'm talking about interest as a friend, it's just like, she lost a great deal of her personality and everything, so, in any case, um, this subdued nature who, who actually had physical feature changes and everything through the course of, you know, the, the year that actually happened, um, she, I asked her if, uh, I asked her if anything had happened to her nose, and she goes, no, why do you ask? And it's just like, it, it's, it, literally, it's just like there was some facial features about her that just made her distinctly unattractive. And I found her gorgeous before. It's just like to go from this to that and just literally a period of like a year after seeing her on the internet for the first time, I'm just like, damn, this is kind of bizarre. So I really kind of like uh, didn't think much about it, but uh, over the years we've kept in touch um, at a distance. I can't really say it's really a friendship. I could just say that uh, we maintain contact. Um, and uh, I just uh, recently um, ended up finding out that uh, three of my buddies, um, I, I knew one of my buddies from high school had died, Monty Garland. Um, but I also found out that um, Shade Shaw, uh, who had the same birthday as I did, and uh, also a uh, Marco Solis. Uh, Shade Shaw I used to hang out with over in um, Phoenix, Arizona, and then uh, Marco Solis I met while I was actually on a train going from... 
Munich after Oktoberfest, um, all the way to uh, to Prague in Czech Republic, and it was just a, a little bit of a um, a party out there, and uh, we ended up meeting on the train and bullshit, and he. He, uh, at the same time I was talking to this, you know, cute girl, he was talking to her too, and, you know, I just, uh, I had nothing but respect for this, uh, for this, this little dude and everything, that the girl ended up getting off the train, then, you know, it was within 15 minutes of the conversation, she was just going from one place to another within, uh, Germany and everything, but, uh, we ended up chatting and actually hanging out for a while after that, and Marco ended up, um, becoming a pretty good friend and everything. Now, I had seen, you know, some of this weirdness and everything, not just with Nicole, but another one, um, Casey Wayland, uh, just a distinctly different personality on the internet versus a person that I knew in, in real life and everything, which really had me questioning what, you know, I mean, are, uh, why are these people changing so dramatically and everything? And, you know, through the course of things and everything, I, I just, I open this up with, um, you know, I'm not going to talk weirdly and everything. I'm on the way to the grocery store, so that's going to be the limit of this conversation about this and everything. I'm going to go into uh, some of the Star Trek stuff on the way back, but it just, um, it comes down to, I, I think that the important thing, the important lesson for all this has been, you know, um, going into the military, going into the NSA, doing all that shit and everything has demonstrated the the nature of of the universe and basically the concepts and ideas and and belief systems that uh, that I that you create um, not necessarily the, just that you're indoctrinated with but that you create are the ones that uh, are you know the ones that literally shape your world now for a long time I had um I had really questioned you know the whole notion of Christianity it's just like um, you know, why is it, you know, I, I question, you know, the people around me, it's just like, why is it you believe that, I mean, it just so happens, I'm born in the one time and place and everything, you know, where their God is the most accurate and everything, <laughs> and for me, this is, this is a, the, the voice of somebody that's, that's speaking as somebody that has gone outright fucking crazy. I mean, seriously. Of course the universe exists around me. You know, for me, it's it's just, it's a no-brainer, of course. You know, but I had gone insane with too much information, too many different ideas, you know. So when I was asking the questions about which religion's right and all this other stuff, and I was doing the soul-searching through, you know, through Christianity and just kind of like slamming it, you know, later on I started realizing, no, there's a reason for it. And yes, there is a, an egocentric nature to the unique, you know, and to the individualistic perspectives that are built that actually are responsible for shaping, you know, quite literally everything that I see, that I experience, that I feel, that I, you know, that I taste, that I smell, everything. You know, so that's actually one of the cool things. Um, but the interesting things is the belief systems also have the responsibility for, you know, causing this disassociated rip of one individual mind into two separate minds, you know, such as the case, what it did with Iwana and uh, Iwana in Iwana, and um, quite potentially Nicole and Nicole, you know, and I, I have no idea how many other, you know, women it did this to, and how many other people it did it to, to Casey, you know, and that kind of stuff. So, I don't know. I don't think it's that uncommon, to be honest. But, uh, anyways, I'm here, and I'm going to talk about Star Trek next. Okay, I'm back. It is warm out here today. 
Low fuel. Oh shit, I guess so. That's like grill though. <clears throat> Turn off the air. That's like utterly on e. Um Hope I make it back. Okay, it went up just a little hair above E. Most cars don't go empty on E. Let's hope this is the same way. So, in any case, um, Star Trek Online. So yesterday, I ended up um, starting to uh, die, die to, uh, <laughs> if I could even talk and think at the same time, I'm concerned about this E thing. Um, yesterday I ended up uh, starting the process of, uh, of taking everything from an assignment perspective and uh, putting every, every assignment that was completed, whether or not it was a success or a failure, and uh, just documenting um, more or less uh, who, who was involved with it and uh, if there's, is, and if there's, well, I, I started this process about four days ago, uh, but, uh, so what I'm, and if there's a, any messages that's associated with it and everything. So the goal is to, to try to actually create some awareness, you know, of the universe, a, a reciprocative nature that, uh, I'm paying attention to this. Now, um, will you please, you know, expand the possibilities within this area? Something I haven't seen change since the inception of the game and everything. Um, with the exception of new areas being created and at that point you get some new, uh, new messages and new assignments within these areas. So, in any case, um, I'm starting the process. And one of the things I'm trying to also do in the process of, of doing these assignments, so I've got a duty roster of uh, 300 people max, and I have currently 288 people. And uh, what I'm trying to do is, uh, like I said yesterday, is, um, which will probably go be compiled in one podcast and everything, I'm uh, more or less building uh, a hier hierarchically based um, assignment chain here. So the goal is, you know, to basically make it look like a pyramid. So those people that have the most knowledge um, should, in theory, be common labels. Um, they should be the lowest rung. They should be the most common people too, um, and uh, they. You know, I, I should have the most, uh, the most of them available to me, and uh, inversely, those people that I have more experience, more capability, et cetera, et cetera, are going to be at the highest chain. So yesterday, I ended up sending three of my, um, three of my claimed officers that fuck things up in Bajor. Um, I ended up sending them to to go on on Riza, to Riza, and uh, in in direct contrast to what happened in Bajor, they ended up actually succeeding wildly, and I got a critical. Um, so you've got critical, which is a really good success and everything. And uh, the message was interesting. It said they ended up uh, achieving something, you know, spectacular or something like that. A message that I haven't seen before. I thought it was actually pretty cool. Um, I I can tell you the message later. I'll uh, dig it up and uh, I'll tell you the message. But in any case, it was. Um, I thought it was interesting. The uh, the people that I sent to. To Vulcan, the entertainers got absolutely no messages back, no, 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 nothing back. It was just a simple success of a mission and everything. So the next time, for the next time I actually send people to Vulcan, I'm going to make a fact to send more entertainers um, and different entertainers. I've got a contingent of probably about. 
12, maybe 15 different entertainers. And uh, I'm going to make it a fact to actually send different entertainers for this time um, to this. And uh, it, it could be, uh, I don't know, I mean, like I said, I'm trying to send the message. Now, I'm, I'm actually, in, in much the same way that Star Trek, the... Uh, you know, uh, the things that I've talked about and discussed with uh, Nicole and, and um, with Wayland and with a lot of these guys, um, I see multiple versions of people as well, you know, within this game and everything. So, you know, like uh, there's a uh, one guy named Buster. It's hard to miss his name. He's, he's a colonist that a... Uh... Jesus, that's loud. So there's one guy named Buster. He's appearing as a colonist all the time. There's another woman named Blossom, and um, it, most uh, most duty officers uh, are repeated numerous times. So I'll see numerous different. Um, they're they're the same duty officers. They they almost never are any different than the uh, duty officers that they were before um, with the with the solitary difference the only difference that I've noticed in between the same named duty officers has been um, when a duty officer actually it's too fucking hot out there and it's too loud for the uh, without air hopefully I don't run out is the factions so there's three primary factions, Klingon Federation and Cardassian, and uh, the factions themselves has, has literally been the only difference, the factional alliance of the duty officer. Every duty officer has a factional alliance and everything, and uh, that is the solitary difference that I've noticed between some on rare occasions duty officers now typically you don't see factional differences and everything for a duty officer at the common level where you do see it where I do see it is at the uh, the rare and the very rare so the blue uh, which is the rare and the very rare which is the uh, the purple um, those are the only ones I'll actually notice factional lines differences on so what I'm saying is you know I can actually have three four five different blossoms um, on my crew at the same time um, now what I've made it a fact to do is is basically anytime I see a name has repeated itself for some reason I usually double check and triple check to make sure nobody comes in that is the same name of, a, of an existing crew member and everything um, if there does, what I do is I do one of two things. I'll assign them to a star base or something like that, or I'll uh, I'll go through and I'll uh, literally just kick them off. I'll, you've got the capability to be able to dismiss them. Now, I, I don't do it in a mean way. It's just basically, you know, for me, I mean, I don't have any way of sending a message saying, hey, you know, I've got, uh, you know, more than one duty officer here, or I've, I see, you know, the same name repeated for a duty officer, and I've made it a personal rule to only have one of each name and everything. And um, that's just my own personal rule and everything. So... Um, now, what I've what I've started to notice, though, that I've actually found interesting. Uh, crap, car's getting sluggish. Um, what I've started to notice has been that the uh, that the duty officers are um, 
starting to get harder to get a hold of. You know, so I've got one um, captain, Kenna, um, that uh, she's um, specifically choosing Vulcans and Vulcans only. Now I am, however, with my primary character. So I'm playing two computers, two different characters and everything. And I log on every day and I, I do things with them every day and everything. And um, for one character, I've got, uh, you know, she's getting nothing but Vulcans, um, making her fact to basically kick anybody off the ship that's not specifically Vulcan. And uh, this includes photonics. I mean, I will not allow a photonic base being onto my, my ship and everything. Now, conversely, um, I, with, as uh, my primary character, Brian, um, I'm doing nothing but humans. And uh, with the solitary exception of I have a medical, emergency medical holographic uh, photonic doctor. I've got two of those. Both of them are emergency medical holograms. And uh, both of them are, um, one's a green and the other one's a, a, uh, a white in quality. So the white means they're common in quality. So they're pretty, uh, you know, pretty common and everything. Now, the only reason I'm doing this is I actually, I liked Voyager and the whole concept of the holographic doctor and um, it, it, for me it was just the type of thing that um, making rare uh, changes to you know, deviations on an exceptional basis. Um, you know, where I've got something I like it or something that I see outside. And it's just like, oh, okay, you know, but that's not a bad idea. You know, and include that within my life and everything. And in this case, within my virtual life. So, in any case, um, yeah, it's, uh, I'm having a lot of fun with the uh, duty officer assignment and everything. I've got uh, three day, days worth of, or you know, it's about, been about three days worth of logs, which is, and I've been building the Excel file, so now I've got, uh, I'm starting to actually put in, map in the, the quality so I could do searches on the, uh, on the duty officers once I get that part of it done, so I can actually have the, uh, the job title and the quality, and I actually want to monitor to see if there's any changes. Now, one weird thing did happen was, I'd been making her fact to actually keep an eye on duplicates, and uh, I ended up having a duplicate occur within my uh, roster. Now, this is I found I found to be pretty weird, you know, where I had Ethan was the guy's name. I remember the guy because I ended up uh, he's kind of like my um, Mission Impossible dude, and I remember him from the very start and everything, and I specifically selected him because of his name. And uh, I did a double check to make sure that uh, he wasn't duplicated when I hired him and everything. And oddly enough, yesterday, I ended up getting a duplicate version of Ethan that came on my staff. And I didn't have any missions that actually supplied him. So, somehow, a dude got put on my ship with the same name, you know, as, uh, as and uh, same statistics and everything as the other Ethan. Now, I don't know which one's real, which one's which. So, anyways, I had to dismiss one. That's what I ended up doing. Anyways, more later. Hello, it's me again. I know, I'm such a cheese ball for that, aren't I? It's me again. Oh, so... Dinner was a hit. I ended up making burritos and tacos and had some Spanish rice and uh, it was um, that uh, Michelle ended up making which actually turned out pretty damn good as well as 
making sure this microphone's like right next to my face. I looked at microphones over at Fry's Electronics, and uh, they didn't have anything that, uh, I mean, they did. They had this nice one for 60 bucks. so, but, you know me, you know, tingling out the narrow. So, anyways, I also <clears throat> refried beans and uh, made enough for leftovers. I wanted to make sure I had leftovers. There's nothing better than a burrito. That's le freshly made leftover. Just take the meat and throw it in a burrito and wrap it up and everything. I'm watching um, Orville with my mom and dad t tonight. And it, um, you know, it, it's really weird. In Doctor Who, I was watching, um, an episode, and Doctor Who ended up reflecting back on his life when he was younger, much younger. And, uh, he was talking about his, uh, his 40s through his 90s as being, um, more or less when he still felt like he was a prepubescent teenager. Now, I've learned a lot in the last 10 years, and um, I had somebody that uh, ended up making a comment back when I was traveling for what I consider is, is really the second major installment in my life of traveling and everything when I was uh, around 30. The um, the first time I had gone was uh, around my twenties, uh, and I'd spent some time down in in Mexico. But um, I ended up uh, going from there to uh, <laughs> I think I'm being too noisy. Somebody's out front here. Make sure that they're not the neighbors. Oh, they are. It's kind of weird to take the dog out front. But, uh, no, they ended up, um, I don't think I'm being loud. In any case, they ended up, um, going through and, uh, oh, completely derailed on that thought process. Um, yeah, they end, I ended up uh, going when I was in my 20s, and the first venture across uh, the borderlines over to uh, to Mexico was really eh, left a little bit to be desired. It was just, it was, I mean, I had fun to a certain extent, but it was the type of thing that at first it scared the shit out of me, and then, you know, it got to the point where I started getting used to it. And, um, then I actually started having fun with it on a regular basis. That was in my 20s. Well, I went again in my 30s, um, you know, and, uh, all throughout my 20s I ended up going to Mexico on a regular basis, but started going in my 30s, and, uh, all of a sudden, um, I ended up meeting somebody over in Hungary that made the comment to me, go again when you're 40, and you're going to notice that the experience is profoundly different. And uh, this person was an older person, was maybe in their 50s and everything. And for me, um, I sat there, you know, saying, I mean, fuck, it's profoundly different as it is, you know, going in between my 20s and my 30s. Yeah, I'm no longer, I mean, I don't mind going out and partying and that kind of stuff. You know, but it's just, you know, that's... 
you know, for me, I'm definitely more into the scenery and checking shit out and that kind of stuff rather than just going out and getting fucked up and, you know, and trying to get laid and everything. Sure, getting laid's part of it, but not necessarily all of it. So somebody ended up making that comment, you know, and it, the, there was a predictable, you know, trend that could potentially happen. I mean, you know, I was, I was trying to think, you know, predict out how, how I might travel in my 40s. And uh, for the life of me, I couldn't think of it. And, um, you know, I mean, I just, there was a couple things that were predictable, you know, such as going out and partying, that kind of stuff, you know, would I be as keen and into that? I suspected yes, you know, and sure enough, you know, my suspicions were, you know, definitely, uh, definitely there, but again, it had diminished substantially and everything from when I was in my 30s. And, uh, but something, something major changed in a way that, uh, I couldn't really put a finger on at the time. And that just came down to, um, the overall, I was trying to understand something, you know, and, uh, I'm, I didn't know what. So, I'm watching the Orville with my mom and dad tonight, and, um, the Orville is, in this episode, a Kelly, uh, they end up going through a spatial anomaly, and that spatial anomaly ends up, uh, causing a young version of Kelly to end up shifting to this point in, in space and time and everything. And, uh, and at that point, you know, this girl that's seven years younger is talking to her, you know, to Kelly. Kelly's the, uh, the, um, first officer, and she's also the former, um, wife of the captain. And, um, they've had a failed relationship, a failed marriage, and circumstances put them together as, as husband and wife and everything, you know, but, uh, they end up, um... <laughs> You know, th this younger version of Kelly, who has not cheated on her, um, who has not, uh, or not cheated on him, um, who's doesn't have the naivety, doesn't have any of these hang-ups and everything that the older version does. All of a sudden, you know, she's interested in the captain because she, her first date with the captain was literally the day before. Sure, the captain's seven years older, which basically makes it so where, you know, he's he's now seven years older. They're not the same age. Now, all of a sudden, she's even more attracted to him because he's a little bit older. He's the captain of the ship. He's got some responsibilities and everything that she didn't have before. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, holy shit. So, in any case, so now Kelly, um, the older version, is almost jealous of the younger version. Doesn't know quite how to handle the situation. And, uh, and the younger version of Kelly starts hitting on, um, start literally asks uh, the captain out and everything. So you get a dilemma. Um, you got Kelly of the now, you know, she says, I've been here, done this. And uh, you got Kelly of the past, you know, that uh, is basically saying, but I haven't done it. And not only that, but I can also learn from your mistakes. <laughs> Which really presents an interesting plight, you know, because she can look at the Kelly now and say, there's, there's a lot of things that you are right now that I just don't want to be, you know, and, and one of them, you know, is certainly a divorcee, you know, of a man that actually seems like he has his shit really together, and, 
he does have his shit together. You know, he's captain of the ship. He's, he's in a literal sense, you know, gotten to the point where he's, you know, he's got a, a position of leadership, of respect. He's an upstanding guy. He's funny. He's goofy and all this other shit and everything. You know, so to her, he's more the perfect man than, than he even was when she met him. And uh, now that she's in the future, you know, it's presenting a little bit of a dilemma and everything. So the younger Kelly is enamored with this man. And uh, they end up going out, and uh, you know, seven years has made a big, huge difference because the, the woman that's seven years younger isn't wanting, you know, or I mean, the uh, the man that's seven years older isn't wanting to go out and party, isn't wanting to go out and get um, fucked up and go out to discos and that kind of shit and everything, you know, which which presents a a kind of a, a dilemma, you know, to. Um, to this, uh, this burgeoning new relationship and everything. So, anyways, long story short, um, in the end, the episode takes a little bit of a weird turn, and I, I, I mean, I like the ending, you know, but I also look at it from, there's two potential, um, major perspectives on this. There's a perspective given to my reality, and then there's this perspective that she lived. Now, we'll put it this way. If I was her, in her shoes, the decision I would have made, had I known that I was forward in time and everything, and I've got somebody here, you know, that I can actually literally learn a lesson from, you know, from the past and everything, and not only that, but the person that I care about still here and everything, well, uh, that changes everything, and the decision I personally would have made in her shoes, the younger Kelly's shoes, was to stay right here. I mean, it's the future, you know? Hang out here, you know, enjoy the moments, and, and not only that, but learn from the mistakes of of this older version of Kelly who ended up divorcing this man that you left, and just basically saying, well, you know, that person did something that, um, well, I may not necessarily, or I may go through myself, maybe there's something different in store for me with this relationship and everything, and if he's receptive to it, then why the fuck not? So, in any case, had I been in her shoes, um, I probably would have made the decision to stay, but that's not what she does. You know, so she ends up, uh, they end up finding a way for her to go back in time, um, and not only that, no, now it presents the problem of memories. She now has memories of the future, and the future captain, um, or the future, um, first officer, uh, Kelly, she has, uh, you know, she doesn't, uh, doesn't remember, um, has never gone through this, and, or that she's aware of or anything like that, so... They end up getting this, um, this invitation. Um, they basically say, uh, the doctor says, well, we could always erase her memories of these events and she'll never remember that this and any of this happened and everything. Well, so, and that's eventually what she ends up saying. And uh, as, as she goes back in time and everything to the point that they end up, uh, end up discussing this, um, all of a sudden she, you know, she gets this phone call, you know, from 
um, the captain, who's not a captain at this point, he's seven years younger, and he had just got on the date before, the night before. And in the, in Kelly's past, the older Kelly's past, they ended up, um, you know, she ended up thinking it was kind of funny that, you know, he called the next day and everything, but uh, she thought it was endearing, and at this point she ended up going along with it. Well, this version of Kelly ends up saying... She goes back, and while she doesn't have memories of the events, she actually makes the decision not to do the same thing that she did before. So, you know, for me, there's, you know, there's a, cu a couple explanations for this, you know, a couple different, uh, there's quite a few different potentials, you know, for this, from an un unfolding in time perspective and everything. And, and for me, you know, the one thing I've realized about how time functions you know, is it's um, it, it it's it's relative to me, you know. So what I want, you know, from a temporal perspective and everything, what I expect will happen. You know, I mean, I'm I've got mountains of evidence that I've been fed to me. You know, about the year 2409, 2410, um, and basically that's kind of you know kind of the the year that I'm working with right now that's actually in the future in this future version of Star Trek and everything and funny thing is it um you know I'm it's it's almost like uh if you build bridges um people will walk them that's ultimately you know it, it's kind of like uh the field of dreams if you have ever seen the movie you know if you build it they will come well the way I look at this is this is a future you know, that I'm building here, you know, um, to some degree I built it in my mind before, you know, when I was watching Star Trek and Terminator and all these other movies and everything, um, I was imagining, you know, how is it all these things go together, you know, I mean, I just was doing it just because I was enjoying these things, you know, but, um, I didn't like calling them just fiction, you know, I liked imagining these worlds for real, you know, but I, I didn't like the idea of actually having to be trapped in some of them or, or stuck in some, you know, and certainly don't like the idea of, you know, being hit by uh, an alien or, you know, any number of different things and or going through an event horizon of a black hole and actually seeing things get ripped inside out and that kind of stuff. There's a lot of things like that that I wouldn't want to go through. You know, but um, when it comes down to it, you know, it's it's like um, it's like Kelly. You know, um, there's a a future version of her that has provided a glimpse of what she's to become should should she make the the, the decisions that she's you know currently making and everything. The seven year younger Kelly realizes there's some pretty pretty dramatic things, you know, that she needs to do different and everything, you know, and, um, you know, just if she actually wants to get what she wants, you know, for instance, she wants to be captain. It's not that she wants her husband to be captain, she wants to be captain. And, you know, there's, she wants to be married and all this other stuff. Now, she realizes when she goes back at a subconscious level, that the decisions that she made didn't work. Something happened, and she has just learned from that. And then she goes back and everything. Now, I've learned, personally, that saying no to somebody 
in the moment, when that moment's presented, isn't saying no permanently. You know, I've learned it firsthand, you know, being both a giver and receiver of that. Now, I've also learned, you know, that, uh, <laughs> that there's a way to get information from the future if you understand how your own mind works and how it relays information back to you. Um, yeah, to me, it, it took a long time to understand. You know, it's not obvious. It's, you know, I mean, I, I still can't properly explain it or put it into binary terms and everything. You know, but um, what ended up happening to Kelly was, boom, she gets this realization that something's just not right. She doesn't have to have, you know, the memories, the written memories inside her head, you know, that uh, that basically, you know, tell her what happened, you know, and, and being erased and everything. Yeah, not at all. She's got the subconscious imprint of of this event that happened. Something needs to change, and, and changing it dramatically from the start is the only path forward. And she realizes this. You know, she can't just do one little, one little change. You know, she's got a man that she loves. Now, how does she deal with that? You don't run at him, because that proved to be, you know, proved to end in failure. You don't tiptoe around it either, you know, because the nature of time, it, she saw it directly, very quickly, that she's getting a massive amount of influence that's basically resisting change to Evelyn's life as it was and everything. So what happens is, at this point, you know, she's witnessed a future that's just not working. So how do you change that future? You know, particularly if the timeline that is, you know, that has been written, you know, the future that you see, has already been written. You know, and it's it's just, it takes you in a direction that you're just not interested in going. It, it's like me when I saw that uh, that Terminator, you know, world out there. Now, in itself, um, if I'm actually going to be stuck in a Terminator world, um, and... You know, let's say I was seeing the future. Um, I'm talking about the future, not a future. I'm talking about the future. Let's say I was seeing a clinically um, set, uh, collectively based, and collectively written future you know, for me. And this is the world that I would end up in and everything. You know, just because of a, a pre-planned, you know, method for writing stories out. Everybody has one set path that they go on and everything. Well, you know, for me, I, mean, I, I look at the, uh, the whole, you know, she, she wakes up, you know, eventually when she wakes up in the, uh, in the past again, she wakes up with a massive hangover, and all she remembers is basically going out and drinking the night before and everything, and she doesn't know why she's, uh, on the floor. I've had so many times like that that I do not doubt similar things have happened to me, you know, in the past. You know, so that event that I saw, that whole Terminator sequence and everything, there's one possibility, and that's that the choices um, and the life that I'm leading and everything ultimately will lead to that. But that's something that's just like, I didn't want. I didn't want it so bad that I actually made it made one of the most difficult decisions in my life. 
you know, which is to try to take my life. And then I, then that woke me up. It was the start of a process of waking me up, making me realize it's just like, fuck, I create this universe. You know, I create this existence. I create fucking everything I see. Everything I hear, everything I do, everything's mine. I created it. Now, I mean, it's not that, it's not any different for you. You know, whoever you are that's listening and everything. The difference is I've embraced this journey. You know, if you're listening to me basically saying, well, why can't it be me? You know, and uh, it can't it can't be um, because that's contradictive. And I'll, I'd explain to you why it's not contradictive, but you have to understand the, the, you know, the whole trippy concept, you know, of choice. And choice, there is literally no limitations, you know, to where choice can take you. But you do have to ultimately create some self-limiting beliefs and everything in order to be able to exercise those choices uh, in, in a way that, um, you know, just makes sense. You know, setting boundaries, you know, setting um, limitations, setting exact, uh, setting um, goals, setting uh, pretty much everything. You know, it's, but uh, when it comes down to it, the whole concept of time and everything... And it's my belief that there's multiple perspectives for that. We had three people observing <coughs> that television. Three very distinctly and very strong-willed minds and everything, between me and my mom and my dad. Um, me, I look at it, and it's just like there's any number of different endings for Kelly's story. You know, from a seven years younger story. There's one possibility that we're seeing everything that happens on her timeline exactly as it's happening, you know, and there's a future that's unknown, you know, that's probably not going to be depicted and everything from that point forward. Um, you can't make any assumptions based on, on those last messages, you know, that were sent and everything. You cannot make any assumptions. All you can do is just basically say, she has made a choice, <coughs> a conscious choice, to make a change. So that's one possibility. Another possibility is that the Kelly that we know quite likely defied collective, or could have defied collective beliefs, and never did travel back in time, and instead chose to stay in, the, stay in that future and that present and everything. Well, we see a collectively based story that, you know, includes some hunky, you know, Dory stuff and everything, feel-good type stuff and everything, you know, that uh, that basically leaves a few open questions, but there is a big, huge possibility, you know, that uh, the story that, we, that I see, you know, is something that's tailored specifically for the audience, you know, me, my mom, and my dad, three very different views on, on time. Potentially. I don't know. So, in any case... And then there's a, there's another perspective, too. And that's that when she went back in time and everything, that she did the same exact things that led her to this current event and everything. And all I was saying was just a mirror what I would have done. That's a possibility, too. So, in any case, it makes for an interesting story, in my opinion. And as far as time's concerned, the way I look at time is, in reality, is every choice I make, 
every not I every not die you know not want every want every not want you know that's how time functions it's you know if you look at temporal mechanics and everything there is a sequence of events that happens you know within the life of a planet you know or life of a place that you call home and I do believe that these are collectively um, agreed on events that actually help shape and define us from a personal level and everything. One of them is 9-11. Where were you at when 9-11 happened? Yeah, I could tell you right, right where I was at. You know, what happened and everything with it as well. Um, you know, same thing holds true for, uh, what is it, um, oh, the Challenger. I can't tell you where I was at. But I can tell you, I remember distinctly watching it happen. And same thing holds true for, you know, JFK. First time I found out about JFK shooting was long past the event and everything. I was in 11th grade and it was, uh, um, watching it through the Zabruder film and everything, and uh, Mr. Davis was there, and he presented it to the entire classroom and everything. That was the first time that I, I became probably consciously more aware, you know, of the JFK thing. I, I knew about JFK prior to then, but uh, I wasn't aware of the Zabruder film or anything like that, but the whole collectively-based introduction and everything to that event, that's, that's when it happened for me. You know, so there's there's some key moments, what I consider to be milestones, you know, and these milestones occur for the development of any society. And uh, what I consider is, um, for these milestones, these, these points, um, that's when a country, um, even potentially a world and everything, uh, comes together from a collective perspective to basically say, okay, for this world, for this reality, this point we can all agree on happened, you know, in a temporal perspective and everything. Um, it's not always a nice event, you know, um, it, but that's kind of the problem is I think we need, need more fantastic, nice events and everything. And we do. We've got another one. Do you remember where you were when, uh, what's her name, um, Jackson flashed her tit at the, uh, Super Bowl? Fucking love that. It was awesome. There's some key funny pivotal events and everything, you know, but everybody remembers them. Man, the, if anything, they've heard the controversy, too. You know, so, so for me, I think that's actually the critical part of understanding temporal mechanics and the linearity. You know, the there's a collective timeline, and that's the timeline of, you know, the population around you. Um, you know, and typically it's, it's you know, regarding it goes city, state, um, and then country, at least here in, here in the United States. Um, and it goes to a planetary level, is my my opinion, and then from there it goes to various level, various level, other levels. Right now, I'm actually dealing with a federation level, so that's a a, a collage of planets that uh, that are actually unionized and everything in much the same way that you know the United States is unionized as well. Now, 
each of these planets has different rules, different, um, you know, different expectations, different morals and ethics that they live by and everything, but somehow they managed to actually keep a common belief, um, a com I can't say belief system, but a common outlook on reality. So you can almost refer to it as a contractually, contractual obligation to basically say visually, um, this is how I want reality to look, um, in a general sense, and, uh, that's what the Federation is. So, you've got stars and nebulas and galaxies and planets and that kind of stuff, and, uh, that's, that's why the Federation formed. Now, I say formed, but if you're looking at it from a linear perspective, the formation doesn't occur until the year 2200 or something like that. But um, to me, from a non-linear perspective, it has already formed. That's already a, a, a chalk mark, and part of the uh, timeline for the future has already been outlined you know, for me. Um, things I've accepted as events that are going to occur in the future. You know, um, Zephram Cochran's uh, takeoff, you know, for instance, uh, and or um, warp travel in um, Bozeman, Montana, and also first contact made by the Vulcans. That's one instance. You know, so these tangent points, these milestones, if you will, um, are basically collectively agreed on points that occur that uh, basically move a society forward. And they're basically what I consider to be anchor points in time. You know, so for time traveling and that kind of stuff and everything, if you want to see what the pivotal events are, you know, and how to actually, um, I mean, if you're interested in changing one, you know, it's it's going to change it for you and your entire universe, you know, and eventually you're going to get to the point where you're, you have to be, you have to start managing the universe from your own mind. You have to understand, you know, that uh, you ultimately are responsible for your linear chronology. And that includes not just the events that happen external to you, you know, but the events that happen relative to you. For me, it's like the first time I got laid. You know, I could tell you where I was at and what I was doing. Um, first time I ended up, uh, you know, ended, ended up doing hallucinogenics. Um, voluntarily. Um, Amsterdam. No, it was, uh, 2000 and 2002, or 2004. <laughs> Um, the first time I ended up, um, oh, what's another one? Finding myself in an alternate dimension. That was 2011, out in the desert of the Mojave. Um, first time I ended up, um, what's the, <laughs> the first foursome? Didn't have a threesome, I want one of those still, but the first forced him. Sean Dell, 1997. First time I went to a swingers club. I mean, see, for me, the, the events that happen relative to me are important to me. You know, so there's events that happen to everybody else, you know, external. Um, collectively agreed on events and everything. But that doesn't define the chronology of a person's life from the individual perspective and everything. And uh, I think that's like, you know, what I consider to be really important is just to understand that the chronology that you accept for yourself, um, there are some waypoints, some pivot points that are actually going to be tangents, you know, from the world and from reality. And I'm suspecting that there may come a moment in time where you completely diverge 
from the alternate, um, you know, from the primary timeline of, of the collective population and everything. And I'm suspecting for me, um, that was 9-11. You know, at that point I was convinced, um, that America was just creating, creating enemies, you know, for the sake of, uh, you know, the American leaders were creating enemies just for the sake of creating enemies. Um, I believe that, uh, you know, the whole terrorist movement and everything, and the attempt to actually go and chase after, you know, people over in Iraq and that kind of stuff, was fabricated. I had believed um, that it was absolutely ludicrous to go chase and to go in a literal, to invade another country, to literally invade another country, in a war I thought would never, would never be won. And the reason I say that it would never be won is, I just think about it this way. If you were to invade me, my country, and you were going to try to pull some of the same shit, um, we'll put it this way. You may think it's freedom from your perspective and everything. You know, um, but we'll put it this way. If somebody came over to my country and everything and had values that I opposed diametrically, um, or not only that, but um, they fundamentally looked at and regarded the world very differently than me, and to some degree, um, I... We'll put it this way. Um, if you wanted a way of life that I fundamentally abhorred, I would never quit fighting you. I would never stop opposing you. And not only that, this is where I came to understand Bin Laden for the first time. I didn't support the guy. Don't get me wrong. But I did understand. You know, when it comes right down to it, America's concept of democracy, America's concepts of, um, of all that, have been tainted, in my opinion, have been manipulated. I'm not saying this in a bad way or a good way, I'm just saying it is a matter-of-fact type thing. It's not a conspiratorial type thing and everything. But when it comes down to it, the invasion of other countries and calling it an invasion. I don't think that's a way to do business. And I'm not against America going into these other countries and everything. And trying to help them out in genuine ways and everything. But not from pity. You know, like they do in Africa. And not like they do in in Iraq and some of those countries and everything, which is just basically to try to indoctrinate them to lead them to believe that their life sucks and they need us to make it better. That's not the way, in my opinion. 
In my opinion, it'd be our responsibility to go in there to understand the life of these people and everything. Now, if you do have some bad apples and everything, there are certainly bad apples in both countries and everything. Find them. Don't take them out, though. Take the time to understand them. I don't know. I wasn't, um... One of the things I had a problem with, and I vocalized this pretty uh, pretty harshly and everything, when I was uh, going through AIT over to Fort Meade, was um, I wasn't a fan of the U.S. Army's um, goal to invade Iraq and Iran. That was the goal, the set-on goal. Fortunately, they never invaded Iran and everything, but the uh, way I looked at the whole thing was, no, I wasn't a fan of the reformation of the, um, of the whole, um, oh, the, the area was taken over 19, in the uh, early 2000, or early 19, 1900s by, so, what's the group? 13 countries that were dismantled and everything, um, and that was trying to reform and everything. I wasn't a fan of that entire um, re reformation, you know, Islamic refor reformation and everything. Um, but for me, you know, one of the things I did believe in, you know, was that America need needs to be more delicate, needs to be more understanding. I mean, I needed to be more understanding, you know, of other countries and, and people and, and ways and that kind of stuff. You know, I, I knew that for a fact and everything. You know, and that's among the reasons I ended up dating an Indian chick. You know, I started realizing, wait a second. You know, I feel like I'm affecting her culture. You know, I felt guilty, by the way. You know, when I was dating that girl, Kenna, I felt guilty. I felt like, you know, here's something, somebody I, I deeply care about. Um, I love, you know, but I also realize that um, I'm her prized Caucasian, and, you know, there's something going on when it comes down to her culture that, you know, uh, she's got this, you know, her mom and dad have, and they're trying to actually get in, her into an arranged marriage, and all this other stuff and everything, and for me, I just was at the point where the the feeling of guilt was there when it came down to dating her, you know, I loved the girl, that was the, the thing, the sex wasn't great, you know, we had one great experience, you know, throughout that period, and that was over in the UK, and that was just a different moment altogether, it's almost like it was a different woman altogether, you know, but besides that, the sex was just okay, you know, um, sex was amazing with Jackie, and, you know, with the few intimate times that me and Rachel had, it was pretty damn awesome too, but you know, with Kenna, it wasn't about the sex, it was more of a mental, a psychological thing and everything. And I, that's the thing, when I was dating her, I just kept, kept getting this guilty feeling that I'm, I'm destroying her culture. That I'm destroying her, 
by my presence in her life and everything, I'm not allowing her the opportunity to grow as a person within her culture and within her people and everything. And um, I felt guilty about it, absolutely guilty. You know, so towards the end, you know, of our relationship and everything, I found myself pulling away, you know, from her. You know, um, when we went, went out and we ended up going out for dinner all the time and everything, I would make it a fact to, you know, to be aware for her, you know, of things that would violate her own values and everything. For instance, um, oh, you know, the meat. Um, you know, I mean, there would be a lot of things that American foods use that actually use meat and meat byproducts in it and everything. And uh, while she wasn't as concerned about it as I was, you know, I was there to help her. I, I wanted to make sure that she was, you know, that everything that she wanted within her in context of her relationship was respected. You know, it was kind of like my job, my opportunity, my... And that's among the reasons that I ended up you know, probably dismantling that relationship unintentionally, subconsciously. My subconscious came to came to unionize with my conscious at that point, you know, because I saw what I was doing. And it's kind of funny because at the same time I'm going for, I'm pursuing my MBA program uh, with Thunderbirds, a global management uh, program and everything where we're becoming culturally aware and aware of our influences and everything, you know, around the world. Now, you know, for me, I didn't realize how strong a personality I have and how strong my influence is, you know, but um, I had always, I had looked, looked at people like Kenna, you know, and just basically said, she's one person, you know, and this one person and everything, you know, it's just like, it's no big deal, but I still felt that guilty aspect inside of me, you know, when it came down to respecting our culture. Now, the way I look at it is entirely different, you know, I mean, I still respect her, you know, but it's her individuality, you know, that's something I had lost within myself, too. Her individuality, you know, is core, it's integral to her decisions, and she wanted to be with me, this is the thing that I didn't know, and I didn't take into consideration at this time, and the one thing that dismantled my fucking confidence throughout my life and everything was this simple acceptance of people's place in my life because they want to be. I'd over oh, always overanalyzed it, questioning why somebody's in my life. I can never just accept it. You know, I'd always question, you know, are they here for my money, or are they here for, you know, here for whatever, I mean, like, you know, with the prize Caucasian, always asking me these mind-based questions and that kind of stuff. You know, it's just like one of these things that I, I couldn't let things rest. And we'll put it this way. If you are a younger version of me, and this is actually where this is all going, and... I was to tell you about the things that I've done and the choices that I would make that would be different and everything. I I would change so much. I mean, the mistakes you're going to make are still going to be unique to your timeline and everything. I'm going to tell you that. You know, um, there's certain lessons that you learn. And there's probably going to be lessons that you learn from different perspective and everything as well. But let's say I'm I'm given given this opportunity to talk to you, a younger version of me, you know, in much the same way that um, you know that Kelly did with the younger version of herself and everything. 
Here's a couple things I'd impart, and it's not specific to a person, but it's specific to you and that confidence. One thing I would tell you is just accept people for who they are and how they present the, or and and the the simple fact that they present themselves to you in your life if they're there then be present you know it really is that simple enjoy the moments enjoy that time you know really it really is that simple i did a decent job with it but i could have done better yeah and my problem is, when it started to go away, I became ultra clingy. It's led to the development of me, who I am today. And ultimately, I'm going to be able to change some of this temporally. I've got to change some things with my physical body first and everything to get... to get the confidence. And it's something I know that I'm empowered to. I was just taking... A, um, I was taking a, a micromanagement approach to it before. And just having the belief, the understanding, you know, that it's all possible and everything. But if I, let's say I'm, I'm talking to somebody that, let's say it's seven years, 2012, no, it's too little. Let's say it's 1999. And, um... Let's just say that the reason the NSA get a hold of you is because you're about to listen to this message. It's going to change your life forever. I'm going to tell you, I'm sending this message back in time. So whoever's handling this that has the capability to be able to time travel and everything, or send messages back in time and everything, I'd like you to contact the NSA in 1999. Specifically. And specifically paint, ask them to, at this point, start pursuing me. Not pursuing me in a, in a harsh way, but pursuing me in a employment kind of way. Now, I want the whoever approaches me and everything to be aware, to have listened to this message. Preferably multiple times. But I don't want you, at all, to ever speak a word of it. Not once. So whoever does, until the point comes that I actually say yes, whoever interacts with me, as represented by the NSA, I'm asking you that everybody that you send has listened to this message at least once, and at least this version of the podcast at least once, today's episode and everything. I'm sorry if it sounds boring or <laughs> whatever. In any case, 
I'm asking you to make some differences with your timeline, with our timeline. I'm asking you to make some hard decisions, you know, to choose something differently than I chose going through. I'd like you to choose to keep all the memories of having worked for the NSA and everything and share our tangent points. Share the points that we came and we intersected. And I can name a few. Portland. You're going to get called up to Portland and everything. And um, Amy. Now I'm going to believe that Amy was somebody I met on eHarmony. And you could set all that up. Or you can have them set it up. Whatever. So that's one major tangent point and everything, is basically the meeting of that and going up there and everything. Another tangent point for our mind. Two thousand eleven. That event that happened out in the desert. Probably the last point that we had, that we actually had to undergo a mitosis, you became a different version. And saw me from a perspective I am still learning about, particularly when it comes down to the shit and everything. So that's another tangent point. I don't think we share minds or memories anymore. And if we do, think of... I'm going to try to think of another tangent point. Those two major tangent points are what I consider to be pretty important. The, all the jobs, of course, are the other tangent points, too. Every job that I had is the same job that you had. You just had a different perspective on that job. This includes CWI, Computer Wholesalers Incorporated. This includes Prudential. This includes Wells Fargo, Universal Technical Institute, all of it. Each job you had. But each job you did specifically, you were working for the NSA. And I have a separate, separate set of memories feels like an imprint that I have a little bit of what you went through. Now here's the goal I have. Me and you, we're going to come across, come to a point in everything. We're going to have to part ways. Two separate beings and everything. And there's a saying from Time Cop and everything, and I think that's the only only rule that we really have. Cannot exist in the same same space at the same time. We both accepted that. Just for its goofiness. Or I accepted it because of its because of its goofiness. I don't know why you accepted it. I suspect it's because of the same thing.
But in any case, what, what does the message say? There are some choices that you have to make in the future. If I had the choice, I would change everything. If I had my life to live over again. But here's the thing. I never would have experienced some of the greatest moments of my life. I don't care whose perspective it's from, yours or mine. I want you, I need you, to make the same choices, as much as it's going to fucking pain us, to go through those events. The whole Kelly notion and that kind of stuff. You're going to love Jackie. You're going to love Rachel. You're going to love all of them. And you're going to get to the point where it breaks your fucking heart. The world's going to drive you fucking insane. And then ultimately, you're going to realize that we did the right thing. Don't make any changes. That's what I'm saying. Here's why. If I had lost all memories, I would want to experience those memories again and again and again and again and again until I remembered them. Moving forward. If I didn't have those memories to look forward to, and of the events of being with some very incredible people and everything that have changed my life and have made me actually want to bend time and space to do it, I would want to do it anyways. I would tell people around me what they wanted to hear in order to do it again, and again, and again, until... And this is consciously, until a time came where the only direction that they had was to move forward with my plan to bring it all together, to bring them together, those specific women that I enjoyed for the short time that I did, the lives that I had, the tangents of just so I can actually know why I'm doing it all, among the reasons, as I look on the screen and I see Earth from above. That's another reason. The journey, my greatest journey, my greatest trip, exploratively and everything, 
I'm just about to happen. And they're all a part of it. Kenna, and Lisa, Rachel, Amy to some extent, and Jackie. Maybe a couple more in there for the mix and everything. So, that's what I would ask those agents to do. Relay the message through your memories through of this podcast. The words that I'm telling you. Just listen to them. Don't tell me. You'll influence me just by being in my presence. And that will create a causal loop. And end up with my mind going back and forth, shredding that timeline. Back and forth. And day by day. It reinforces it. And reinforces the direction I want. That's why I'm here. Ultimately, I came to answer the question. Why am I here? What's my purpose? The answer is, I'm here because I want to be. And my purpose is to enjoy my life and have fun of my own choice. My choice is being made. It's uncouth. It's not standard. It's probably not easy. But we'll get there. So, in any case, I'm done for tonight. Thank you for listening.